Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at US-China relations. Efforts to end the trade war between the two countries have been massively complicated by the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, chief financial officer of Huawei, the Chinese tech giant, following an indictment from the US government. So what happens in the trade dispute now? On the line from Washington is our bureau chief there, Dmitry Sevastopoulou, and here in the studio is Jeff Dyer, a former correspondent in both Beijing and Washington. Dmitry first. So we came out of the G20 summit with a pause in the trade war and clearly efforts to reignite talks and maybe get a deal. And then suddenly there's the announcement of the arrest of this Huawei executive. How much has that complicated matters? Well, it's interesting. Both the the Chinese government and the Trump administration have tried to downplay the impact of her arrest in Canada and tried to distinguish it uh, as a separate issue from the trade negotiations. To the point that Donald Trump's White House, they came out and said that the president and also John Bolton, his national security advisor, were actually not aware that the U.S. Justice Department was trying to get Canada to extradite uh, Ms. Meng. So they, from the very start, they tried to separate the two issues. And it seemed that, that, you know, it was going to be an issue in the relationship, but it wasn't going to derail the trade talks. And yesterday, the uh, Chinese agreed to reduce tariffs on imports of American cars. So things seemed to be actually getting a little bit back on track. And then surprisingly, in an interview with Reuters, Donald Trump said that if he felt that intervening in this Huawei case would actually help him get a trade deal, he might do it. Now, that took everyone by surprise because it basically said he would be starting to interfere with the U.S. Uh, criminal justice system. So, it's, you know, I think there's still a long way to go before we find out what happens here, but it's certainly very interesting at the moment. And, Jeff, I mean, from your experience of Beijing, how, I mean, it's a closed system, obviously, but how do you think they'll be reading this? Do you think they'll buy the idea that this was just some kind of accident with the U.S. justice system Uh, doing this? Or do you think they will see it as part of a coordinated onslaught by America and something that they need to retaliate? I think even before this interview that Donald Trump gave yesterday to Reuters, I think they would have seen it as a coordinated assault against China, that they would see this as a deliberate attempt to, you know, to to damage this very important company in the Chinese effort to develop itself into a a high-tech superpower. You know, in their system, there would be no, use the phrase Chinese walls, it's not an unfortunate analogy in this case, but there would be no Chinese walls between you know, the Justice Department and the political decisions, and they wouldn't necessarily believe the Americans when they say that this the decisions were taken separately. The fact that Donald Trump is now openly suggesting that the rest of this executive could be a part of a bargaining chip in a broader trade negotiation will simply confirm their fears. This is all politics and it's all hard power. And I guess it must make the position of Western executives in China fairly uneasy. I mean, we've had arrests in the past of people, say, from GSK and so on, when business deals have gone sour in, in China, or there have been corruption investigations. So it's already not the most comfortable situation. I think that's right. I mean, it does raise the prospect, at least only the prospect, that you can get these type of tit-for-tat situations. We've already seen a former Canadian diplomat who has disappeared in the last couple of days in China. People think 
might have been arrested or detained by the security service. And people think that perhaps this is a retaliation to, to Canada's role in the arrest of Ms. Meng. Um, and then just the fact, again, that Donald Trump is now suggesting that the, the fate of this executive could be part of a broader trade discussion. It just does raise the risk that you know these executives will become pawns in these these political games, these political negotiations, these political battles between the two superpowers. Mm. Dimitri, I mean, Jeff raises this issue about well, how coordinated is what the Trump administration is doing uh, to China on on a number of fronts? What's your impression? Because there seems sometimes a sense that Trump is more interested in a deal, but there are a lot of hawks behind him who do actually, in a, in a broader sense, want a, a long-term confrontation with China? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, I mean, normally, if the U.S. government was trying to extradite uh, someone of the kind of stature of, of Meng Wanzhou, I mean, she's uh, the daughter of the founder of Huawei, which is China, one of most, China's most successful companies. Normally, in a situation like that, the national security advisor would be told that this was happening. And there would be, a, you know, potentially even a cabinet level meeting to decide on whether that was the right approach to take, because it has a bearing on, on foreign policy and national security. It looks like in this case, that didn't happen. I think the broader context is that the the Justice Department, as part of a growing trend in Washington to take a much more hawkish line on China, which is not just Donald Trump, it's Congress, it's American businesses, it's other parts of the administration and the intelligence agencies. The Justice Department has started something called the China Initiative, which is trying to clamp down much more aggressively on China on forms of espionage, traditional and cyber, and other activities that it thinks uh, China should not be doing. So it seems kind of there's a kind of everything is coming together in Washington. And while this policy and this decision to uh, to arrest Miss Meng when she came through Canada appears not to have been coordinated, I think the broader picture is that there's just a much more hawkish um, approach towards China and Washington these days. And that's one that the Chinese, I think, are still grappling to come to terms with. They, they thought when Donald Trump came in, he was going to be very tough on trade. He was going to push them hard. Uh, interestingly, in his first year in office, he didn't really do that. Now, obviously, in his second year, he really did step things up. And uh, we're now seeing these trade negotiations and the trade war. But it's really the broader concerns about security issues, intelligence and other things that are now driving the agenda in Washington. And even if the trade war was uh, disappeared tomorrow, the U.S. government is not about to start going soft on China. And Jeff, I mean, how much is Huawei indicative, even if it's not part of a coordinated strategy of, of where a lot of this struggle is taking place? Because it's about technology and there does seem to be a kind of battle for the technological high ground going on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, we talk a lot about decoupling between the US and China. And I think that can sometimes be overstated. But in the tech space, this is something that is very much going on at the moment. You're seeing this in Huawei, which makes a lot of telecoms infrastructure. It's going to be very important for the new generation of, of wireless network technology. You're seeing that in AI. You're seeing that in companies that are involved in data. You're seeing that companies involved with robotics. So the American government is essentially saying we do not, we want to not sever the ties with China, but we want to slow down the transfer of technologies that the Chinese will, be, will try to use to give themselves a competitive advantage in the, in the industries which are likely to dominate in the next couple of decades. And to be fair, the Chinese have been doing a lot of this themselves you know, way before. I mean, it was a decade ago when they kicked out Google and they had disputes with Yahoo and they closed down Facebook. So th this has been building for a while. But what we've seen in the last year or so is a much more decisive effort by the US to slow down or in some cases stop the transfer of these kinds of future technologies to the Chinese. 
And Dimitri, of course, that that then connects to the, the the sense that this is also about security, because in the end, I think they're worried about tech partly because it's what will drive a successful economy in the future, but also because its spillover into into intelligence and into the military is is very clear. So, how is that particular aspect of this struggle going? The the South China Sea bit, if you like, the security confrontation. Well, I think uh, over the past few years, there's been concern about Huawei that has uh, gradually ramped up. But this year, uh, things have moved up to a new level. And earlier this year, a number of U.S. intelligence chiefs and the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, testified on Capitol Hill. And they basically gave a very strong warning on Huawei. They warned uh, Americans that you should not use any Huawei phones or other kind of equipment. And since then, there's been an even stronger push by America to get their allies, whether it's the Five Eyes countries who share intelligence, which is the US, Australia, UK, New Zealand, and Canada, to not use uh, Huawei or other Chinese uh, equipment, uh, pushing other countries around the world, trying to pressure them to do the same, because they're worried that basically, if China has you know, is inside the network or inside the skeleton of telecoms networks around the world. So, you know, when you have conflict in the future, then China is going to have a huge advantage if it can penetrate these systems and potentially shut them down or use them just to eavesdrop on on Americans talking to foreign countries. So I think it's becoming a, a much, much bigger issue. The more the world becomes integrated, the more we move to kind of 5G networks and higher speed internet systems and telecom systems, it's going to become even more crucial. And I think, as Jeff alluded to, that's essentially the battle that we're now seeing. Is this is the battle for intelligence and security in, in the world of ever faster uh, internet connections around the world. And if there is a battle going on, Jeff, I mean, do we have any sense of who's most likely to prevail? Or is it, as you perhaps implied earlier, just going to be that we have two worlds, a sort of America-centric world of info and tech and a China-centered world? I mean, a few years ago, we would have said that definitely the US would be, you know, the favorite in this, if it's like a technology battle. It was you know, way ahead in areas of AI and robotics and these types of technologies. But China has caught up very quickly. It's still behind. It's still not as innovative, dynamic in many of these areas as Americans, but they're not that far behind and they're, they're gaining ground very quickly. But as you say, I think uh, the more broader implication for the rest of the world is you are seeing this kind of almost new tech iron curtain developing where you are going to have a sort of Chinese sphere where Chinese companies dominate, they're building the infrastructure, they're providing lots of the key technologies and you have a, a different, a sort of more Western sphere where the US companies principally are the ones who are making making the main going. Where this plays into 5G will be very interesting because in some ways this might actually all benefit the Chinese in the sense that although Huawei was hoping to sell a lot of, lot of 5G-related equipment in the US, this could sort of slow down the US a couple of years in its effort to, to build out a 5G infrastructure if it really does clamp down on, on products from China in this area. Um, and so the Chinese could end up with a couple of years' advantage, head start, if you like, developing standards, developing products, developing technologies that will be you know, the forerunners in the 5G space. So they could, in an odd, perverse kind of way, they could end up with a competitive advantage out of all this. So finally, Dimitri, and just, just give us a sense of the, the wider context of, of all of this. I mean, you talked about this growing hard line towards the Chinese. I mean, I've even heard people saying, we're really at the beginning of a of a new sort of Cold War with the United States and, and China. How would you react to that? Well, again, I think the Chinese were not prepared for this. And when Mike Pence, the vice president, gave a speech a few months ago in Washington, it was very, very tough on China. And I think everyone kind of woke up and thought, 
that over time concerns across the US government, which predate uh, Donald Trump, but they've been intensified under him and his presidency, were growing this direction and that there's just a recognition in America that China has become increasingly powerful. It's doing things around the world that the US believes threatens its national security and that ways and policies the US has used in the past to try and push against China have not been effective. If you layer on top of that the Trump administration belief that Barack Obama was uh, weak on China, and they often point to the fact that Xi Jinping stood in the Rose Garden in the White House several years ago and said that China would not militarize the islands and the rocks in the South China Sea that it's reclaimed and built on. And over the past few years, that's exactly what it's done. And so people in the Trump administration and the intelligence world say, well, hold on a second. We've been too naive. If we're not careful, we're going to lose out in lots of these battles. And again, with the context of moving towards a 5G world, that becomes more important. So I think we're, we're, you know, we're in for an increasingly tough line on China across Washington. We're also within the next few weeks, or certainly a month, we're going to have the first serious Democrat launching their 2020 presidential campaign, potentially Elizabeth Warren. And I think you can expect most Democrats to take a tough line on China, which is going to put more pressure on Trump not to ease up. So I think that for the Chinese, there's really no uh, silver lining. There's, there's nothing out there on the horizon that would make them relax. I think we are in for uh, rocky waters. And over the next few years, it's only going to get tougher. OK, well, with that thought, we'll leave it there for now and indeed for this year. Thank you very much indeed to Dmitry Sevastopoulou in Washington, to Jeff Dyer here in London. That's the final World Weekly of 2018, but we'll look forward to coming back in 2019. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.